Welcome to the Redemptive Parenting Podcast, where we aim to encourage and equip parents in wisdom with hope and the gospel for the everyday. Your host today is me, Kristen, for this new three-episode series called Not Alone. You likely are familiar already with today's guest, Heather McBadian. Heather is host of the popular Don't Mom Alone podcast, formerly known as the God-Centered Mom podcast, which happens to also be the first podcast I ever started listening to. And a fun fact, I was actually a guest on Heather's podcast, episode 113, in the months following my first book release on October 12th, 2015. So it's super fun to now turn the tables and have Heather as my guest here to talk about her first book, which also happens to have an October 12th launch date. So with that, Heather, congratulations and welcome. I am so excited to have you with me today. You know, I love a good connection. That's awesome. That's so fun. It's an honor to be here. Congratulations on all that you've been doing. And since we've talked five years ago, I know it's crazy. I can't believe it's been that long, but I love just keeping up with you, following you and and listening to you always. So um, I imagine all the listeners already know who you are, but just in case there's someone who doesn't, or maybe they only know you as the interviewer. Before we jump into our conversation, will you share with us where you live and a bit about your household? Yeah. So I am in Dallas, Texas, and I am married to Bruce, uh, 22 years. And then I have four boys ages nine to 16. So we are, we have our first driver as of two weeks ago. Ah, how's that been for you? So I've realized in the little baby years, you especially these days you obsess over the baby monitor uh-huh. and you're like, are, is the baby? Okay. Is the baby? Okay. You keep checking it. You take it everywhere with you. Now it's life 360. That's the thing that you're like, <laughs> yes, it is checking, <laughs> monitoring. Did they break too? It tells you if they break hard, if they accelerate, if they're on their phone, it's yeah. my daughter said to my husband, dad, your favorite app is literally life 360. <laughs> It's not a social, you know, Instagram or anything like that. It's, it's paying attention to where everybody is. And it's this commentary on where we are as a culture versus, you know, a hundred years ago when babies weren't monitored every 20, you know, all through the night with a video and teens weren't tracked on phones. So yeah. There's a whole thing there. There is a whole thing. I think about like driving from Houston to Dallas to college and never checking in with my parents to say I got there safely. And, you know, it might be another week before I ever talked to them. And like that seemed fine. At least I thought it was. Maybe my mom was secretly stressed, but she didn't act like it. <laughs> it's like better not know. Like if the hard thing happens, the hard thing happens. Me obsessing over Life 360 isn't going to keep them from an accident. Exactly. Exactly. Sometimes it's better not to know. And I do tell that to moms. I'm like, why do you need to plug your phone in next to your bed? Like just leave it in the kitchen because really, what are you going to do? Especially when they're in college, if you see that they're out at 2am, like, what are you going to do about it? So anyways, okay. So you have four boys and you have a book coming out, which is so exciting. I've heard you say that it's been a long time coming. In fact, I think you have said that when you laid aside a book idea previously, that's what led you to start your podcast. So I'd love for you to just share more about what drove your idea for the ministry to moms that you've created through the podcast. Yeah. I think even just the whole God-centered mom blog that I started eons ago, like 11 years ago, wow, um, was coming from hitting my own rock bottom part of motherhood and starting to 
spend intentional time with him in the mornings and just journaling what I was learning and how it was impacting a shift in my motherhood. And so I would write online and then I had an agent reach out to me and ask if I'd ever considered a book. Mm -hmm. And I had a newborn and I had three young kids and I was like, okay. And, And to me, this is really helpful. If you are that mom with lots of little kids and you're feeling like, wow, this is the opportunity and your, your husband's career might be taking off. And you're like, am I going to miss out on my career or whatever God has for me if I say no to this? And so, um, I remember talking to a friend who is in the publishing industry and telling her what was going on and what should I do? And she's like, maybe you should just wait five years. And it felt like that was an eternity. Sure. It was five years. My oldest was six at the time. I mean, that's practically my entire motherhood journey. You want me to wait (laughs) double that. (laughs) And so I was like, no, I'm just going to go for it. I mean, how hard can writing a book be really? (laughs) (laughs) I do think there was a little bit of saving grace in that I uh, hired the sweetest college student from OU uh-huh. to come and watch my boys while I went to Panera bread. And it was kind of a way for me to feel like I was doing something outside of motherhood. I've always kind of been a motherhood and kind of person. Yes. yes. Always Same. had a something else. Um, and so that I think kind of kept me from probably going to a dark place then. Mm. Um, I still found the dark place. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Uh, but I think that was a little bit of the gift in it, but it just, I I remember sending the first round of the proposal to him and, you know, he had his critiques like they normally do, but I thought, well, if it didn't, wasn't easy the first time I'm not doing this, I didn't choose this. And Mm -hmm. so I tried to give it back to him. Like, I didn't even want to do this. This was your idea. And he's like, no, 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 let's try again. You know, try another round. I'm like, okay. So I try again. Then I was like, you know what? what if this isn't God's plan? This is the enemy's plan to steal from my attention from these little boys Mm. and these years I have to influence them. Like, you know, you're kind of analyzing all the things, God, enemy, what is this? And so I kind of set it aside. And then I thought, you know what? I am actually spending time on scrolling Facebook. I have time. I'm just using it for other things. What if I actually dedicate time to work on this book? So I put a one last ditch effort into it. And I thought I was going to meet with him and we were going to meet with publishers and pitch it. And I got to this conference and it was just a meeting with him. And he said, you know what? All these bloggers in the last two years have been signing tons of book contracts for motherhood stuff. And there's just no market anymore for mom books. Wow. Wow. I was like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) After you've been working so hard on these. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so. I said, well, I had knew a couple friends that had podcasts. I reached, they were in a mastermind group with me. And I was like, you know what? I'm done writing. I want to just talk. So I just Mm. set aside the whole thing. And I started a podcast in 2013. Wow. I I love how God took you on that turn and brought you to where you are now. I mean, his plans obviously are better than ours. And we just think that we, (laughs) we know what we're doing, but hard too to let go of things that we've spent time on and let that die. Or like you said, to think that I'm not going to miss out on an opportunity because it's very easy when we're home with little ones to think, you know, this is it. Well, I remember at that conference, 
he and I were sitting in one area of the lobby and this team that I used to be a part of that ran a conference in Dallas were sitting over a few feet from us. And they were meeting with my friend who's a web designer and they were talking about how well the conference went. And I'd said no to them so that I could write this book. Mm. I made space and I'm seeing life and excitement over there in that corner. Mm -hmm. And I'm looking at this situation. I'm like, this is death. This is dry bones. Mm -hmm. And I just heard Bianca pulled off. She was talking about that piece of scripture where God asks him to prophesy over the dry bones. Uh And I was like, okay, the message I got from that was this book thing is dry bones. And if I try to like take all the bones and stack them up and make them walk, that's ridiculous. That's like some of the Halloween decorations we're seeing around here. But if I wait and let him breathe life into it, there will be a fully functioning, Hmm. like breathing thing that actually has purpose and use. And so anyway, that was the vision I was given. And I just waited and waited and waited and actually had to be kind of wooed to even try again, because there's those fears of failure and I don't want to try again. And it's not my dream. And so well, I, it makes, I think this book that's coming even sweeter. And I would imagine as the podcast has evolved and your boys have grown, so have you. And so the content in your book is, I mean, God knew like it's even richer. So what are some of those recurring themes or areas God has been at work in you that's influenced the message that you want moms to glean from in this book? I think the biggest thing for me was like I said, the, the darkness came for me eventually, mm-hmm. um, is getting to the end of myself when we did have that. My youngest was about almost one and my husband was working so much. He like, he would sleep two hours at night mm-hmm. and I had pulled away from community. And so it's kind of my, I call them Titanic stories where I say, avoid this iceberg ahead. So avoid the iceberg of thinking you have to have it all perfect in your parenthood and look like you are a good mom and that you followed some formula, which doesn't exist. Or if your child acts badly, that that means you are bad. That Mm -hmm. that kind of mom shame we take on, not mom guilt, but just this. Yeah. We take on the identity. We look at our kids and then we form our identity as either a good, good mom or bad mom. And a good person. Am I, am I, what's wrong with me? that my child just bit that other child, (laughs) which is, they are developmentally at this stage where they might bite a child. There's nothing wrong with you. Yeah. Well, that leads us to hiding. It's hard to be honest because we want to hide the bad things our kids have done or that we haven't done or whatever that makes us feel like everybody else is looking at us saying you're a bad person. Yeah. Shame always wants to hide. The enemy always wants you to hide when it comes to shame. It's Adam and Eve in the garden hiding. And so I think I was doing that with four boys. I couldn't control what they did. We would go to play groups and it was not enjoyable. (laughs) I couldn't have a conversation with another mom because it would be constantly interrupted with so-and-so did such and such. And did you know so-and-so is doing this? And I was really anxious. And then because I'd pulled away, I was very depressed. And so I had a moment where I had a panic attack and a drive-through chicken you know, Bubba's here in Dallas. Oh, oh, I know Bubba's. <laughs> so I, I had my little panic attack and Bubba's drive through and really at that point knew I needed to get professional help. Mm-hmm. So I'm a big fan of professional counseling, really proud of you and all that you're pursuing. And I just slowly added back in community. I also went through a inner healing prayer journey that I write about. 
of just really digging into what else is going on in me mm-hmm. because it's not about my kids. That's the gift, right. It's, the gift of motherhood is that it brings it to the surface. That and is so true. It always goes back to yeah. our heart. Uh-huh. It's my choice if I'm going to deal with it or keep shoving it back down. But those things are going to come up. And I don't know if you learned this in your training and I don't know where I heard it. And I wish I had some sort of reference, but someone told me, so who knows if it's true that around 35, there's something in your brain that a layer that thins, that brings memories kind of come to the surface. Is this true? Oh, interesting. I don't know. I'm so fascinated by neuroscience, but like yes. there's so much to learn. Well, it makes sense. I mean, there's a survival and a resilience they say kids are resilient over and over again, but like trauma from our past or things that happen all of a sudden are coming to the surface. And now in our culture, that's 35 is around the time. A lot of moms are in their young kids stage. Yeah. Anyway, we're dealing with those big things that maybe got shoved down at the same time. time. (laughs) And especially if the trauma happened when you were the age of the child, you're now raising it's yeah. like doubly reinforced of you imagining yourself at that age and how innocent you were and projecting things onto our child and wanting to do things differently or protect yeah. them. That and sometimes way. it's from a place of fear or maybe vows we've taken. I will never let this happen yeah. to my child. And so we start becoming more very controlling of all the things. And so, and we anxious because we can't control all the things. And anyway, so I dig into that first. Because I don't feel like we can talk about relationships with others, the the side-by-side stuff until we've sorted out what's going on in us with God's help. So really primary, the don't mom alone, you have to start with God. Yeah. And yourself, like inviting him into all of that, because I've found so much help and healing when I bring whatever the memory is and I, and through the power of the Holy Spirit, invite Jesus into that and he gets to reframe it those wrong beliefs get to be confessed and healed. And, and I get to walk away with better truth and a better, it's almost like he repaints the memory. So I've had friends say literally something that they've had in their head that comes to the surface a lot, all of a sudden looks completely different. And they, and Jesus are in color and everything else is in black and white. Our brains are amazing. They're plastic that we can pave over the pathways and create new memories. Yeah. It makes me think of that you do the centering truth post, which I'm sure this is all related, but that replacing the truth with the lies or the the bad memories, putting new, new memories in its place, but originating with what does God say is true? Yeah. So every chapter, I kind of realized I needed to dig into what were the reasons why I pulled away from community and found myself in that isolated place. Isolated is different from lonely Mm -hmm. and you could be around people and feel lonely or feel isolated. And so each chapter has an isolating idea, something I'm believing that's keeping me from showing up with my true Mm. self to other people and being vulnerable. And so then we kind of tackle that and get into like, what's acting truth, what's true. And so you can be in those relationships, including ones with your kids. Yes. So if we're so self-consumed, then, then we miss those connections. And it's so true. I feel like in our culture, we're all very connected. We've never been more connected with technology and we may be very present in social circles or involved, not present. Um, but like you said, just isolated and alone, I've, especially through after COVID. I mean, a lot of people are seeking counseling for that very reason, just feeling that disconnect. They really want to be known and 
have belonging, which is what our kids want. They want to know what their, where's their place? Why are they valued in your family? And where do they, where do they fit? Yeah. And we want that. What value do I bring to this friendship group? And will you come for me when I'm having a hard time? Will you text me? Even if I'm not able to present my best version to you. Mm -hmm. Is that okay? Can you accept me when I am not happy or I'm struggling and it's hard to bear with one another when we want people that are happy and easy, you know? And what I've realized with this pandemic, I'm not a counselor, I'm not a professional, but what I've seen just in mom relationships is the ones who are already struggling and had hard stories and challenges were used to the ones who were maybe securely attached or, or stronger, quote unquote, stronger emotionally mm-hmm. to kind of make up for where they were struggling or lacking. Hmm. Now we're all kind of in a need space. We all have needs. So there's a lot of clashing and a lot of conflict because everyone's needing everyone to show up with a lot of grace and compassion and just like not taking us for every word. And I don't know, I just, it it just feels like a lot of conflict is coming from the place of we all need rest and healing and none of us can stop and rest and heal. Yes. I so agree. And I feel like we try to suck life from other people to make (laughs) up for where we feel deficient. Um, instead of going to to God and seeing him as the only one that can fill that hole in our soul. Yeah. Well, so how do you, you, you talked about feeling known and seen like how, with your boys, do you help them to feel seen? I think it's real easy to be all in the same house, but still not be connected even you know, all being together, but it's real easy to just pass each other in the hallways. We're all busy and we shuttle kids here and there, or, or they have the driver's license and they're gone. And so how do you take that in time to be intentional with your boys? I think that's really hard. Some things that I've learned, we went through a 12 step with our small group and then a processing group after that. Mm-hmm. And some of the skills that we learned on how to process well with people. And you probably have learned this where you sit with people and listen versus interrupting or giving them what you think they need. Mm -hmm. Um, I have to really work hard on that with my kids because it comes from a place, even with our friendships, where we have such a strong desire to help and Mm -hmm. shape (laughs) and be a good friend, quote unquote. And so we jump in with, Oh, have you ever tried this? We want to fix it. Yes, that's it. We want to fix it and we want to fix it for our kids. And that may not be what they need. And so just sitting with them. And when they're sad, sitting with them. And when they're mad, not like coming from our own anger and being like, don't talk to me like that. I mean, I have to really work hard to let them have their emotions and not take it as a personal offense. Mm-hmm. My husband's very good at seeing the strengths in each of our boys. He's a strength finder coach. And so mm-hmm. he is a really good student of each of them. Um, he created Gmail accounts for all of them eons ago. Yeah. And so anytime he would take a picture or they said something funny or something that kind of fit in with their unique giftedness, he emails it to them. So that their email awesome. accounts I are love filled that. with, yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's a simple little thing y'all could do. Um, something I've done with one of my kids who there's a chapter in the book on, I think it's called throw away the receipt, just this child that is hard. That is different from the other kids in their community or this box that 
teachers and other authorities hold of where your kids should fit. And they're just not in it. Yeah. And you kind of feel like I'd be a better mom if I had a different kid. Uh-huh. And so coming to grips with who he is. And I think we both had to seek God out in that. And so there's one memory where he was saying what an idiot he was and how he has no friends and nobody likes him. And I just said, it sounds like, you know, that doesn't sound quite like what I think God thinks about you Hmm. and what I think about you and what your dad and I've said about you. And I said, would you want to pray with me? And let's just ask God what he thinks about you. And so I told him, I said, we're going to pray. And if anything pops in your mind and it sounds like what we read in God's word, that's probably the Holy spirit's prompting. And if it doesn't, that might be the enemy trying to condemn you again. And that's not from God. And Mm -hmm. so we just prayed and we're like, Lord, will you please show us what you think about insert name? Mm -hmm. Um, and, and then I just sat there in silence and he sat there in silence and I kind of felt it's, it's a weird thing. It's like, you kind of internally hear a word. Yeah. (laughs) So I, I said, Oh Lord, thank you that you believe that he's a caretaker and that he is so thoughtful with his animals and with the things around him and that he's very, um, he takes his time. And before I'd even gone into it more in my prayer, his eyes popped open. He's like, that's what I heard too. Oh, wow. And I was like, what a gift I could tell him day in, day out that he's a caretaker. But if we pray and God gets to tell him, Hmm. his identity and how he's made him uniquely. There's so much more validation and power to that. Sure. Um, oh, so. what a sweet time. And to always go back to that kind of that little memorial, like remember that time, you know, God is faithful and God sees you and he knows you and he made you this way. And just to model with them that they can ask God, who do you say I am? Absolutely. How did you make me? What, what promises have you made about us and that, you know, our value and worth doesn't come from what we do as moms or as what we do as people, our value and worth comes from the fact that Christ died and rose again. And we are children of God. I mean, you wrote a whole book on identity. <laughs> yes, we did. Yeah. And we, I mean, we never can exhaust we never, yeah. back there. I mean, we yeah. constantly need to yeah. tell that to ourselves, tell that to our kids because we're so tempted to tie it. Not just, I mean, to our kids, tie our identity to all sorts of crazy things performance, others approval of our kids, their success in relationships. Or I had one who was reading scripture Friday morning in chapel and then in detention that afternoon. It's just (laughs) the whole spread. And that's real life. And I think that's real to hear that because we tend to filter out positive things and we just zero in on like, oh my gosh, he was in detention. What are people going to think of him? What's, what do the teachers think of him? What do other moms think about him? And then we spiral down into just the shame again. Yeah. I'm a big fan of anyone who listens to the show, not just getting encouragement or mentoring from the show, but from really pointing them back to who are your people, have a couple people you can be real with that are going to know your unique challenges today or your wins or who can celebrate with you. I mean, I'm, I think back all the, I have different groups and I feel so honored because I know women who are completely isolated and struggling. And I I think the first line of defense is to pray, God, open my eyes to see who around me is a person that I can be, that is a safe person that I can be vulnerable with. And you can test that out. You can share one 
mm-hmm. tiny hard thing and see if they respond with their hard or if they respond with judgment or if they respond with, Oh, that latte is really good. I mean, if they dismiss <laughs> the whole thing, it's not your person. Yes. That's great. Because that is so true. Just kind of testing the waters. Can I, can I be known by you? How are you going to receive this? And then can we go to that deeper level and say, and not everybody we can, nor should we, but we need those people where where we can say, text them and be like, oh my gosh, he's in detention. You know, remind me of truth. Yeah. Or my mentor would say she had a couple people and I feel like I could do this for her with her mm-hmm. is you just text pray, mm. no explanation. We don't have to go into the ins and outs. It may just be, if you have lots of little ones, it's four o'clock. And you're done <laughs> and you just pray like, okay, I don't need to know what, but if you have two or three people you can do that with, that's pretty great. That's really great. And there's something that recruits in you. Yes. There's the Holy spirit. And there's like, but there's something about others knowing mm-hmm. that I don't know, it strengthens you holds yeah. up your arms a little longer, you know, well, and it helps us endure. I feel like when, endure. when people- yeah maybe text me because they just know, like I have a busy week and feeling anxious about whatever. It just feels so comforting. Like, Hey, there's other people that are pulling for me. They're praying for me. They know what I'm in. Yeah. What other advice would you give? I mean, we're all a stage ahead of somebody in the parenting journey. So as our kids become teens, there's other moms that can't even imagine what it would be like to have a teenager. So just some advice that you would give to moms a little bit behind where you are. Well, I would say, even if they don't have a mentor, that's older than them, don't negate the fact that there could be someone younger than you. That is, could be a mentor in an area of life that you are challenged by, whether it's taking care of your home, whether it's discipline, whether it's your quiet time. It's okay to consider someone younger than you. Um, I would encourage moms. I think if I could tell my younger self something, it mm-hmm. would be say less words. Mm, that's so good. So my mentor used to tell me I would have her actually come to the house when the crazy was happening mm-hmm. so that I could just point to something and be like, what would you do there? <laughs> How would you handle that. And so often she had four boys. Uh, she just said useless words. You're just talking all the time. They can't process all of those words, their voice. Yeah. And I thought, okay, I think there's this piece of motherhood that we feel like it's up to me to make sure I tell them all the ways that they need to behave. Mm-hmm. And if I've said all the ways that I've somehow kept them from harm or other people's judgment, you know, we'll be out in a public place and you'll be correcting them out loud so that other people hear you (laughs) (laughs) not for the kid. They already know that they're not doing the right thing. (laughs) It's so they know that, you know, that that's not okay. Um, Controlling how other people see us. It all goes back to control. All control. (laughs) I don't know. I think I would have enjoyed a little bit of the younger years more if I would have found the friendships, the mom friendships that could let our kids be a little bit out of control and Mm. just decide together that we're just going to let them sort that out because they do sort it out. And I think the the kids that I've seen struggle more, the moms who are micromanaging everything, micromanaging the friendships, micromanaging every little aspect of what they do and say. And those kids don't have an internal locus of control. Everything has to be dictated to them. And so yeah. That's so true. T- too much intervening. And they just, they, 
you're right. They don't know what to do. They haven't learned. And we have to give them the opportunities to build those skills to navigate life. And I think that's why then we see these college kids falling apart because they didn't learn those things way back when they were young. The problem solving skills. Yeah. I wish I would have said more, well, what do you think you should do instead of jumping in with my solution? Mm-hmm. I or just so often didn't, over and doing it yeah. yourself. <laughs> I didn't want to see them struggle through it or I just thought I knew better. And so I would jump in and solve it instead of working through this challenge or struggle and easier yeah. said to done to either easier said now, I'm yeah. sure for whatever reason, I do have to give myself grace that I did the best that I could with and what I had. It. We and have to give ourselves emotional. grace. Yeah. I, I, I'm thankful that through motherhood, I've come to this place. Yeah. And I love how God uses motherhood as our sanctifying agent. I hope that that's what moms hear is that there's so much grace. Like none of us is the perfect mom. We are going to mess up and we're, and we're going to grow alongside our kids. And so it's way easier where we are now to look back and be like, oh, I should have done that. And, (laughs) but it's hard in the, in the moment, still hard. It's still hard. There's still things I want to intervene for my kids on. So any last words of wisdom that I haven't asked you that you really want, you know, people to know about the book, something that's in the book that we haven't talked about. I would say, you know, going back to kind of my bottom mm-hmm. of the barrel moment is a mom and how that was in 2013. And then in the fall of 2016, just three years later, we went through the hardest season we'd ever been through. My mom was diagnosed with breast cancer. She and my dad moved in with us Mm -hmm. and she started really heavy chemo red devil, which is a terrible name. Mm -hmm. And right after her first treatment, my dad turned really jaundice and within a month he passed away of cancer. Mm -hmm. And so I think of the grace of God that in those three years between 2013 and 2016, the prayer that I've done, the group of women that I connected with through the prayer time, our small group community, just women in the school and church that I had reconnected with and kind of let go of this being perfect image just was messy in front of them Mm -hmm. and stopped pretending that I had it all together. So that when I went through the hell of 2016, 2017, I was so held by the people in my community who just showed up because Mm -hmm. it was, it wasn't something, I mean, you don't plan for disasters in your life or hard life circumstances, but I think God knew that I would need them. And Mm -hmm. he, if I leaned into it, provided the people and I, I just, I marvel at his timing and what he knows and to trust him with that journey and that process. So if you're feeling prompting your spirit, you're not in a good place emotionally to get the help and the healing from a professional or from your church community. If you've kind of removed yourself from church community because of the last year and a half and just fear of COVID, like push in, do what you can meet in a backyard. I don't know. It is worth it because, and maybe you experienced that even going through COVID. Like there were people that showed up that you needed. And if you hadn't invested in them, those years prior, you wouldn't have been able to make it through. Wow. Well, and, and you're right. Like taking that first step, being willing to go first, to be vulnerable, to try the test, you know, like, can you be my people? It's worth the risk of rejection 
to pursue authentic connection. Like that is my overall message. Like I think my greatest fear and why I wanted to be perfect and why I wanted all my kids to look good and why I pulled away and pretended that I was okay was that I didn't want people to reject me. Hmm. But in doing that, I had no authentic connections with anyone. And so it was worth that risk of being like, okay, you may think my kids are crazy. You may think I'm a terrible mom, but I'm willing to risk that so that I can be real and invite you into a real conversation. Yeah. And when we do that, I think we find that other people are craving that same thing and we give them the freedom to be real and to be accepted, even with all of our baggage cannot wait for this book to get into the hands of moms. I can't wait to personally read it. So where can people connect with you if they don't already know and find the book? There is a page on my website, don'tmomalone.com. There's a page if you do a forward slash book that shows all the places you can order it, pre-order it. Okay, great. Yeah. Well, and if they fill, if they do it before it comes out, okay. um, there is a form you can fill out and we're offering the free audiobook, which I got to read to go along with it. Awesome. That's great. If mom, moms that already kind of are listeners, podcast mm-hmm. listeners, yeah. book listeners, that's and it. busy moms that are in the car or yeah. <laughs> need yeah, to, I need know to it's listen. hard to have a book. Yes. Well, Heather, thank you. I'm so thankful for your platform and just the encouragement you are to moms. And I pray your book will be a blessing to so many. Thank you for having me. I'm excited for you. Thank you. I hope this was a freeing conversation for you all and enough of a taste of Heather's new book that you'll go get a copy as an author. I can tell you one of the greatest things you can do after reading the book is to leave a review on Amazon. In addition to reviews, um, just helping readers and listeners make purchasing decisions, reviews influence the algorithms. So other people learn about the product. So with that said, I would also love for you to leave a review on Apple podcast for this podcast. And then if you'll join me next week for another great guest in this short series entitled Not Alone. Until next time, grace and peace to you all.